first flag since 
Uh, I know Herdy and I have been chatting about it, and one of the, the great things about being uh, well, doing this podcast and being in, cipher, in uh, self-isolation and separate from each other is there's enough room for Xavier's ego to be on the show as well. So we'll, we'll be able to get through plenty of, uh, plenty of content. And, um, and because we're, we're no longer affiliated with the club, we can ask whatever we like and, um, and hopefully people enjoy uh, how things go. So I guess I suppose it'd be worth asking you know, each other, how, how is life, um, you know, for you, Xavier, at the moment um, in self-isolation, the club is, you know, barely um, operating but still going and there's a lot of work for you to do. So, like, what is day-to-day looking like for you? Well, thanks, Joe. Before we go on to that, we, we obviously agreed that uh, you two have been ganging up and I know you've been speaking all week about what you're going to do and you're going to try and target me. That's why we got wide involved because it was always we need an impartial host, but... The whole point was to go after the host, not after me. But thanks for not agreeing <laughs> to that. No, it's been, I mean, such a, it's such a unique period, isn't it? Like, um, I'm sort of working from home most of the time. It was a bit challenging today. I've got two young children, six and three, Freddie and Francesca, and they have this amazing ability to find me anywhere in the house, no matter where I am. And um, it makes it difficult to, you know, when you're on calls for you know, three quarters of the day, it's sort of difficult to try and focus and concentrate. I'm sure a lot of people would understand that. I'm sure they're experiencing something similar. So um, I'm sort of balancing home, work. There's, some, there's a lot of, lot of discussions that are happening, some serious discussions, obviously, and I don't want to sort of make light of that. It's been, you know, it's been a really challenging two and a half weeks, but it's a, it's a very unique period, and um, you know, we're working through it, I guess. Xavier, so I think the biggest question that all Essence supporters want to know, and you know, you have more information than anyone else. The best of your information, when do you think we'll see the the Essendon Football Club kicking the ball around against another team, and and who who do you think that would would be? Is it are we going back to round two as it was, or does does that all have to change again? I think I feel pretty confident, Jim, that we're going to have a season. Like I I, I do feel, and I'm becoming increasingly confident based on different insights from the AFL and others. But in terms of when, like it's it's really challenging to give a a clear timeline on that um, because so much of it's out of the AFL's control and clearly we want to make sure we work really close with the government on those sorts of things. But even you know, even these concepts like the hub and what would that mean in terms of how the season will be delivered, like that's 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 that was news to me a couple of days ago when that came out in the media and we've since had a high level briefing on uh, on that as a concept, so it's really hard to say it's going to go one way or another. Um, and how yeah, you know, is it, is David, it... we, we spoke at the start of the show. There was no, there was no fence sitting, and you have sat right in the middle of that fence. This is essence, the Essendon supporters, the Essendon community. They want an answer. They don't want the stuff you give them in the newspapers. They give them, give us an answer. When, to the best of your knowledge, do you think we'll play football again? I, I feel, I feel relatively confident that. In July, we'll be back playing football at the latest. Okay. Like, and that's, and I, but I don't say that with any, you know, any great insight or um, as an educated insight. But I think I feel confident. Now, it, it's not going to be in front of crowds. Obviously, like, that's going to be a really challenging aspect, particularly for our members and for our players who, who thrive off that. But hopefully, it's not too far after that. Again, you can't hold me to it because I just we just don't know because it's out of our control. But I feel I feel relatively confident on that. Mm. Uh, Herdy, what, what's what's day to day sort of life like for you in, in um, self isolation at the moment? I know you've got four children, all, all four kids at home. <laughs> They're all at home. So um, we were Stephanie, our eldest, is is twenty, and she was in Paris um, studying, doing her university degree. So 
I was in New York, she was in Paris, so we rushed home when uh, Scott Morrison announced uh, that, you know, the, the new isolation rules. We missed isolation by two days, so we had to go and self-isolate for 14 days in a house away from the rest of the family, which, uh, which we did and, and did quite well and followed the rules. And then we, we've come back to... Uh, to the family environment with the four kids and yeah, it's it's look it's great family time I, I, there's some huge positives about it um it's fair to say that the 20 year old and the 18 year old are finding uh, fault with each other at certain times like in any household but um <laughs> I, to us it's it's been it's it's been enjoyable um at the moment but uh you know the novelty i'm sure will wear off in every family soon but um what i'm seeing from the community is is a great appetite to try and do the right thing there's obviously people who aren't but um yeah, it's certainly different when you're, you're holding a video conferencing meeting and your 16-year-old son walks back with his, his jukebox playing <laughs> some New York rapper coming out, blaring out a fair few swear words. So there's a fair bit of apology that's had to happen. But I've been wondering, Joe, but I understand that, that you know Xavier you know, is a very professional guy and you know pretty understanding. But when you were at the club, you were like a, a bear with a sore tooth if we kept you there for more than 30 <laughs> seconds longer than you should have been. How are you handling isolation? Because I reckon there's a few grumpy moments in the, uh, in the Watson household. Well, it's funny you should ask, uh, James. That, um, so Virginia, obviously, um, she was FaceTiming some friends in, in New York who were there, and they're in complete lockdown and uh, obviously doing it very difficult and, and job security and things like that is, is very tough for them. And, and these are, one of her friends is, is single by herself and, you know, she's really lonely and, and um, you know, Virginia's just sort of said to me, look, imagine how difficult it is uh, for Kristen. And, and I just keep offering my services if she'd like to swap positions. And, um, and I'll go over to New York in self-isolation and, and she can come and stay here with, with Virginia and Juniper. But we are having, I am, I am actually really enjoying my time with, um, you know, spending time with, uh, with Juniper and, and bonding with her. And um, we, we built a, um, a bike for um, on Sunday, which uh, almost was the end of the relationship between the two of us, and, <laughs> and and now Juniper refuses to get off the bike, so she won't eat dinner um, in her chair anymore. She won't. Um, she sits in the bike all day, waiting for me to take her for a walk outside. So you know you're only allowed an hour a day, don't you? I've seen you out for six walks. Uh, on the bike, it says every moment you're out walking that bike on, on Instagram. It's, it's an hour a day joke. I started, I started isolation with a bulldog, and now I've got a greyhound. That's, that's how much walking's doing. How is fatherhood, Joe? How are you yeah. finding it? No, I, I do really enjoy it. I do love it. I, um, I remember um, Mum said to me after Juniper was born that it would be the most rewarding and most difficult thing you'll ever do in your life. And um, and that's right, you know. Like it is, it fills you with uh, with more joy than you possibly imagine you could ever have, and um, and it challenges you, you as well. But um, you know, I think that for every family at the moment, or for, for anyone with children, it's obviously very extenuating circumstances, and and there's no a, a real precedence for it, and and the stress and anxiety that people are feeling, and then coupling that with you know, the idea of having to homeschool potentially kids and, and mm. doing all those sorts of things and all these different dynamics. So it is a really difficult time for, for everyone, but the, mm. the whole point of it is to, to find a way to get through and to, to prosper out of it and, and the things that you can learn about yourself and, and the, I guess the, the, what you can take out of this period will actually 
can be used in a positive way um, when we all get through it. Mm. There's a couple of things. Well said, Joe. There's a couple of things that I've um, I've regretting about this self isolation. Firstly, is the homeschooling. Um, grammar is not my specialty. <laughs> and I spend half an hour trying to teach my son the differences between there and there. <laughs> And, he, and was finally told by him that I was wrong and he was right and he's 11. So that was firstly a, a come to work on the homeschooling. But this, um, all this Fox Sports and um, Channel 7 replaying of games, I don't know if been watching any of the replaying of games, but I keep telling my kids how good I was, right? But, you know, I keep goals, this or that. There was a game on TV, I think, last, last Sunday, uh, Essendon Carlton, uh, round 293 which my 11-year-old was watching, and he, he popped and I said, Dad, you haven't touched the ball for 30 minutes. You have had a kick. I said, keep watching, keep watching, keep watching. Anyway, it's basically, uh, it's ruining what, what I thought of myself as a player because my kids are calling me out. So anyway, if Channel 7 and Fox could stop showing um, Essendon games, we'd much appreciate it. <laughs> Speaking of Probably family, worthwhile yeah, also. I mean, yeah, Chat, you, you heard him. Well, what, yeah. uh, well, maybe just for people just to get an understand what you guys are up to now. It's sort of not something that's necessarily been out in the public domain and you're both keeping busy. Obviously, I chat to you both um, quite often, but maybe just for the listeners, it'd be good to hear them hear that for them. You go first, Joe. Yeah, so I've got um, a property business here in Melbourne, um, which is a portfolio property advisor. So it's buying and rent rolls. Um, so we manage property and um and then buy uh, for investors and owner occupiers. So seeing firsthand, you know, um, the flow on effect of what um, theoretically is almost an economic shutdown and, and what that means for people and, and, you know, running a small business and trying to keep, you know, people employed and, and to keep working and, and things like that. So you get an understanding about what it, what it's like for people in small business, um, you know, trying to um, keep people employed, keep people working to so that um, everyone can get through it together and, I think you, you, you realise in, in these circumstances that it's, you know, you're so connected, everyone's so reliant on each other and, and that's mm. it's really important that everyone can get to get through it and that you, you can keep people employed and keep people working so that we can all, you know, manage our way through this and, and then come out of the other side. And, and then obviously the stuff in New York's completely shut down. I mean, it is just a... Um, it's a pretty different um, system over there. It's uh, there's no real clarity on what's going to happen with 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 rentals and, and things like that. But the, the cafes have shut. We've had to let all our staff go um, and just uh, batten down and, and hope that we can find a way to get through it. And, and I guess that's what it's like for a lot of people in the, at this stage. Mm. Yeah, and similar to Job, I've got a, a number of investments in in smaller to medium sized businesses and. Um, some are in the sports entertainment industry. There's one over in New York in the in the finance industry, and and yeah, it's a matter of just trying to hold on to people's jobs at the moment. You see, a lot of young entrepreneurs in the startups or, or want to be entrepreneurs in startups, trying to trying to make a, a way. And to me, it's you know, it's it's part of the great economy in, in Australia and also in the US. You have these these young entrepreneurs employing people. But something like this is, is just crippling that industry. And, you know, I think we're, we are fortunate that the government has stepped in with that $1,500 um, wage subsidy JobKeeper. for a certain amount of JobKeeper. And then in, in New York, there's a, in the US, there's a PPP similar type um, uh, scenario for employees in the US. And, and what that's doing is enabling a number of businesses to, to hold on. But, you know, by no means is it, is it the full wage. And, 
I think mm. um, for any small business owner or, or sole trader or shopkeeper, you know, our hearts go out to every, every one of them because it, it is tough and um, you're just trying to hang on financially, yes, but also um, for your own self-worth. I think that, you know, when, when your business is, is in trouble, a lot of your identity is, is caught up in that. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's where, you know, hopefully this show we can talk about things like that. We can get we can get um, listeners to, to, to give their experiences. We can try and help and you know, because it's, um, it is uh, very lonely when you're watching all your hard-earned work go down the toilet. So that's partly what this show is here for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then sort of the, the other thing is going to come from it is that the way we do business, the way we live our lives is going to change probably forever. You know, we, we obviously we, we were spoke, speaking yesterday, the three of us, about the, what the footy landscape looks like beyond this year. And it's, it's going to be significant, significant changes that uh, we have to prepare and embrace, um, I guess. But um, it's going to be tough for everyone. And Xavier, you might not, not be able to give, just bringing it back to football, you might not be able to give you know, the exact number or roundabout mm. numbers. But, you know, one of the things that we were very uh, conscious of during the coaching days was the soft cap and how much you could spend mm. around, not not the, the fo- football players, because that's your salary cap and that will probably come down. But you've got this whole football industry and particularly uh, the football administration side of things, which, you know, the soft cap, I'm not sure what it is, but it will be significantly reduced. So you're going to lose some good mm. people out of um, out of football forever because of this, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And sort of, I mean, for those who don't know, the soft cap's about $9.7 million you can spend in the football department now. Um, non-players spend in the football department. That's going to come down to at least $6.7 million. So, you know, and, and the challenge with that is it's not through poor performance. It's not through um, passion or application of staff. It's just through a, a sort of a real squeeze on the expense base of our football program, which is going to be challenging. It's times 18 clubs. It's really confronting. So, you know, clubs of all, we've had to make, you know, really hard decisions in the last couple of weeks around, firstly, standing down staff, secondly, making some staff redundant and who are who are really good people, who you know have, have, have given their all for the football club for a really long period of time because you know you can see what's coming and unfortunately we don't have a choice and that's, you know, a lot of, lot of businesses, a lot of business managers are faced with with this landscape and these sorts of decisions at the moment. It doesn't make it easier and it's certainly not something you enjoy going through but um, obviously the best interest of the football club we've got to push through we've got to make these these harder decisions to ensure we can come through the other side but um, it's pretty challenging there's no doubt about that and, and Joe without getting you know t- too into the, the detail there's a lot of workers at home who you know one day they were working through no fault of their own haven't got a job, not only is the financial implication, what do they do with their days? Um, I mean, you guys, a lot of you have faced that situation in 2016 where, you know, one day you were training, the next day you were told, you know, you can't come to work for a year. How tough is that mentally to, 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 to get into a routine and understand how you, you spend the next 12 months or three months or however months of your life it's going to be without, without work? Yeah, I remember um, thinking back, you know, immediately, it was just such an empty feeling because you used to your routine, you used to what your identity is and, and associating that with your work. And, and it really it makes a, a huge difference to your life and, and, and self-worth and how you're thinking about yourself. And then for that to just to evaporate overnight, which was, you know, the, the case for us as well, um, it left you with a, a, I remember feeling incredibly anxious about it and, and just that feeling of, 
unknown and that and being scared about what I what was going to be there and what was um, you know what, how I was going to deal with it. And I remember it took me you know about a week. And and after about a week, I, I sat down one night um, down at the farm and I wrote down a list of the the things that I wanted to do or the person that I wanted to become out of this. Um, and it really was like my template for the year and the decisions that I made for that year. Um, were based off that and, and, and being able to tick those things off on the list. Um, you know, when I looked back at the, the 12 months afterwards, I, I looked back at the list that I created and all the things that I wanted or the person that I wanted to become, I'd been able to achieve it. Um, and, and that really helped me. And, and I know it's, it's, it's really difficult when the whole world is in the same situation. But um, I, I think back on that time and, and, and thinking about, okay, well, what, what, what can I achieve? How can I be um, different? How can I be better? How can I um, innovate myself? How, how can I come out of this as a better person? Um, and it really, it was the, the, the map, I suppose, for me being able to, you know, change the direction of my life. And, um, and it was really a worthwhile experience to go through. And, and there must have been tough times, though. I mean, you look in hindsight and we all talk about, you know, the template and, and how you work through things. But, for people going through it, it's okay to have bad days, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I remember feeling sick, you know, not wanting to leave the house and having no sort of idea about what I was going to do and just feeling like that 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 I would never come through it, you know, like and it would never end. Um, and I think that that is – that's a very normal experience for people to be going through. And um, and that, that fear and that uncertainty is really – it can be really crippling. And and um, I, I think that, uh, you know, the ability to talk through how you're feeling with people and, and connecting and, – and that's one of the things that I've found even through this period is the amount of effort that you make to, to connect with people and you're calling your friends that perhaps you were too busy to, to make an effort, you know, to, to call or to speak to. And, and now – and you actually feel better connecting because everyone's going through the same thing you know and and you can lean on each other and people are suffering in different degrees but people are uh, everyone is finding it difficult and and i think that that's the ability to reach out to other people and to, to connect is is going to help everyone get through it routine guys i think routine seems to be pretty important mm. through this this period and xavier you're lucky with the job to go to get out of the house have that routine but i think for for people who are who literally are stuck at home and particularly the the, the elderly who, you know, people over 70 are told to, to stay in the house, as you said, Joe, connecting with them, giving them a call, but also if you're in that situation, just some sort of routine that gives you a basis to work through during the day. That's yeah, a good point. I think so. That's... Yeah. You go, Joe. Xavier, I don't know about you, but, you know, like getting up and, and, and having some form of exercise or getting, uh, you know, mm -hmm. starting your day and then having it, uh, I guess, follow some sort of normality to whether this is the time that I'm working. I know it's not my normal hours and I'm not I'm not doing things, but I think it is really important to, to have that routine um, and to be able to continue on, um, even though there is obviously changes to everyone's days. Guys, fascinating insights, uh, particularly from, from you, Joe. But let's get an insight now from the footy club, from uh, someone in the footy department. And I speak of the head of strength and conditioning at Essendon, Shaw Murphy. He's been listening to you, Joe, James and Xavier. For those that are just tuning in to us on the Essendon website, essendonfc.com.au, this is Working Through It. And uh, we're going to take your calls shortly, so uh, get ready for that. But uh, welcome to the program, Sean. You're, you're talking to Joe, James and Xavier. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us on board. Murph, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it, mate. I know you've got to 
a lot on. Obviously, for those that don't know, Murph joined us from uh, the Hawthorne Football Club at the start of this season as our high-performance manager, and um, he's made a real impact, a really positive impact, and um, very popular amongst the players. Has taken them, certainly, with their loads and... Um, their output has increased dramatically, and uh, I feel I feel for you, mate. I know it's difficult to have started the season and know that there's some reward for the work that you guys have done, and for it to sort of stop after a week. But it would be great, obviously, with Jim and Joe, we've got a lot of questions they're going to ask. But it'd be great for you to sort of talk about the uniqueness of the current situation and and how you're managing the players based on the parameters you've got to work within right now. Yeah, no worries at all. Um... Really nice to hear um, James and Joe talk about sort of that uh, period where they had off and um, you talk about that routine. Um, it's funny, I've been talking to my wife about that and I think the biggest change in routine has actually been me being at home, um, which she's struggling with. <laughs> <laughs> she's not used to having me in the household and um, taking up space. So, um, you know, one thing that we've actually been doing is having open conversation around that. If you need space, take it. Um, and it's okay to go for a walk for an hour without me and the kids. So, um, you know, we, we would um, talk to the players about that, trying to keep that routine, sleep, eating, um, you know, exercise, having a purpose for your day. So, um, you know, really important to have that in their life. And same for us as staff and, and um, you know, trying to help the players as well. Um, in terms of the uniqueness of the period, yes, Certainly challenging. I thought we uh, had a really good pre-season. Um, we all say that at this time of year or the back end of pre-season, but um, just the, the openness and the way that the players took it on board. Um, not only that, but probably the, the coaching staff. I was surprised at how uh, receptive they were to, I guess, our new ideas from the football department. Um, and we threw a lot at the playing group, a lot of the staff, and um, I just felt like they lapped it up really well. And so, yeah, it is a bit frustrating in my eyes that you know, we get to this period now and we can't see the, um, the rewards from that. We got to see a little bit in the pre-season games and then obviously round one, um, even though unique circumstances with a shortened game period and everything else. But then, um, yeah, just uh, now we've got programs to put out. We put a four-week block out sort of when it all happened um, after that round one. Even there, we didn't even get to see the guys on the Monday after that game, so we didn't really get to do a proper check-in post that game, so that was quite unique. And then we um, have been in contact via either you know, FaceTime or some sort of a, uh, um online platform um, or just phone calls and then just emails sending out their program. But we opted with a four-week period, um, knowing that you know up until the 26th of April, that'll then give us a bit more of insight of what the next phase will look like, which you know we're all predicting that, you know, as Xavier was talking about there, that we're not you know, back maybe until... Um, July playing some footy, so what that looked like from a training perspective, it sort of didn't need to flog them in this period. And Sean, so uh, really interesting to, to understand how you write a program without knowing when they're going to come back, without knowing when they're going to play again, and what you're trying to achieve out, out of the program you're giving them. Is it just a general maintenance program so that if they come back that, that you can start some sort of uh, legitimate training, or, or how, do you, how do you, I suppose, target that program? Yeah, I think nail on the head there in terms of just trying to maintain. Um, in, in my honest opinion, it's more about um, their sort of routine and having some mental health. So actually exercising, trying to have go for a walk. I was chatting to one of the players today and um, he's got himself into a really good routine. He gets up in the morning and just goes for a walk and listens to a podcast. Um, for me, that's a win because he's actually keeping to some sort of normality in his life. Um, and then the exercise on it is just 
even if they're not doing my exact program, if they're doing an element of it, um, they're in contact with us around that, which is good. Um, and I'm pretty receptive to that. You know, if they're doing sort of, if they want to go for a 20-minute run versus doing um, sort of a fart-leg-type session, that's okay because it gives them a bit of choice and a bit of control over that as well. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly a maintenance program over this phase. And, and then as we get closer to that block where we probably don't have to maybe a four-week block before we actually start playing games again, that's where we can start to sort of gear it up a little bit more. Um, over this four-week block, to give you insight, I've given them... Um, two sessions out of those four weeks, which is almost game load. Um, and that was more to challenge them um, physically, but also a little bit of mental challenge as well to see if they can do some footy stuff in there as well. Yeah, Jose Mourinho was caught in the park training uh, three of his players overnight. Um, are, you, are you guys allowed any contact with, with your players or, or it just totally has to be done by Zoom and, and, and phone calls? Yeah, predominantly by Zoom and phone calls. Um, and also a little bit of, um, I'd prefer not to have to um, see the players all the time. There's, um, you know, we want to give trust to these guys. They, um, when they're in the club, their lives are you know, to the letter of every minute. It's nice to be able to sort of, okay, you guys, in your hands, to go and execute this. I think that gives a bit of um, freedom to the program that they do it at 9 or 10 or 11 o'clock um, and they can structure their day up. Um, in terms of what we're allowed to have contact, yeah, we're meant to have minimal contact with the players face-to-face. Um, we can have one-on-one FaceTime if they're needed, so with our physios, so someone like uh, Paddy Ambrose, who we need to make sure that he actually returns to play at a certain level, and certainly when he gets back running, um, which he started now, it's really important that he's actually getting FaceTime with our physios, but that has to be in a controlled setting and in the clinic. Um, we can't just have a group of them go down to the park, and we've, we've made sure through our football department, we've all sort of agreed to it, and over across the league we have, um, that there's no advantage in doing that. It's, it's also for the society as well. So um, we don't feel like we need to do that. And, and so, Sean, in terms of um, what, what would you be looking at as major concern area with trying to make, get, get maintenance for these players but then have them almost within a month get ready to play again? Like, is that, is that the, the area that you're thinking, OK, well, this is going to be the biggest challenge is going from a maintenance phase to then, in a really short period of time, getting guys ready to perform at the elite level and start playing AFL games? Yeah, spot on. The, the, the bit that um, will be the most challenging part, and it always is during an off-season, this is obviously hopefully going to be a shortened period, but who knows how long that'll end up being. But um, your change of direction and your speed is, is the bit that is probably the hardest to control or to actually uh, replicate from the game. So that ability to accelerate and decelerate in the game is, is sort of very hard to replicate by yourself. Or if you're just training in pairs, it's, it's even hard to, to replicate that. Um, and then just, just that hitting maximal speed. So you know, you'll see the guys in games, they'll be able to hit speed because that's, they've been in training and up to that. Sometimes it's actually hard to motivate to get yourself to hit that speed from a soft tissue point of view. So um, the strength side of it is another part. Um, we had just about every single player take some part of the equipment from the gym at the club. Um, once we heard... You won't see any of that back, Dave. That'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> Big CapEx really... investment, that one. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I had a bit of a uh, feeling that that would happen. So we actually took down a stock take of every single piece of equipment. We wrote their name on that piece of equipment. Um, and that's not to say we don't trust them, but we just felt like with the... Uh, with the current economic times, we might actually not get that equipment back and we might not be able to buy any more equipment once this all comes through. So um, we, uh, 
we loaned all that out to Dezo Sullivan, who's the, his strength guy, and myself went in there and pretty much made a pack for every single player. We, um, you know, either it was weight plates and we prioritised the guys that need to put weight on or keep weight on. Um, we gave them a heap of dumbbells or weight plates and a bench and barbells. Um, and I've actually got all the boys actually sent me through a photo or a little video of what their home setups were, um, which was quite amusing to see how they'd actually use their space. So, um, and that's the other side from, you know, returning to training. We've got to be very careful that when we get back, we don't sort of go from squatting a 40-kilo dumbbell, because that's all they had, to then squatting 100 to 120 kilos, because you're just going to get um, issues from a dom perspective and you're not going to be able to train what we need on the track. So there's going to be a real fine line from that when we do return, knowing what they've done and then what we need to do to play games. Murph, I was reading one of the memos from the AFL uh, late last week about sort of that timeline that the guys will be able to get back and then train for that period. And it's, what do you see that minimum period being before players can then literally get back and play? Um, I think the further we go on, the little bit more time we'll actually need. We had a bit of a discussion mm. about this the other day um, as a football department. And um, I think at the moment in the current landscape, four weeks would be... Um, a good timeline. Now, whether that's four weeks uh, with then the game, so three weeks of prep, a week of sort of consolidating before the, the round two game, um, or whether it's four weeks and then a week, uh, I feel like around that timeline seems to be about right. And the further we go into this, if it ends up being sort of a you know, 12-week period, I feel like we're going to need a little bit more time. Um, mm-hmm. And again, it's just that um, ability to know what they've done um, in that time that they've been training by themselves. I feel like sometimes you have been training to a high level, but as we know, if you're training you know, in, in small groups, you get a little bit more out of it. Sean, just a, a question around, it's probably for you and Xavier, but there's all this talk about the hub, about you know an MCG precinct for, for, for games. How practically, I mean, there's a player point of view and their families, practically... Um, from your perspective, is that an option or is that is that more a pipe dream that the media and and we'd all like to see to get football back quicker? Uh, I don't think there's anything from... off the top. You go, Murph. You go, Murph, and I'll, I'll, after a discussion yesterday with the AFL, I can sort of give another update on that. You go, Murph. Yeah, it's probably more for Xavier because um, <laughs> it's the first I've actually heard of it within a day or two ago mm-hmm. by the media. Like, hasn't been any discussions that we've had as a football department. Um, and, uh, yeah, certainly I haven't even given much thought to that and how that would look. So um, I'd have to give it you know, more thought process going forward, but um, I can see what they're trying to do. I think it'd be very challenging from a training perspective and the grounds, maintenance and all that side of it, but um, it's probably more one for, for Xavier to answer. Mm. I think this is still a very preliminary stage of exploration, really. You can sort of see every sport around the world that hasn't quite got their season away or is partway through. It's exploring all the options they can in this space. I think I read last night the UFC are looking at a private island somewhere to try and host some of their events. But I'd say from a discussion with the AFL yesterday, still, it's still really preliminary. Um, there's a whole range of factors. Just like anything in, this, like in, in an issue like this, as complex as, as it is, every time you start to plan something out, there's something you haven't thought of at every different juncture, which makes it really complex. And I think that's probably what the, the AFL is going through that now. And it's a process that you think might take a week to consider it properly will, will, will take a lot longer than that because of the, the nuances that exist in trying to deliver something so unique. So I think they're trying really hard to just create options. Um, as simple as that. Um, 
where we get to with it. I'm not entirely sure, but we'll find out hopefully by sometime by the end of April. Um, I think we'll have a clear idea on, on what those options might be. I mean, it's, it's, it's Xavier, it's more about the, um, you know, like the education of the, the su supporters and the fans that we, we're going to try and get a product out there and play. It might not be the product that you're used to, but mm. um, these are the circumstances that we've had to prepare and these are the circumstances that our players are getting ready for and our clubs are, uh, are utilising and this is what we can do. Um, yeah. It might not be the footy that you remember and that you know, but this is the product that we can actually... Um, produce for you to to be able to have something to to be connected with um it just might not be the footy that you remember from 2019 yeah i think that's right Jim. i think that's right i was just thinking that i was chatting to claire my wife like about last night and we were sort of saying our perspective and on valuing the smaller things in our life now after all of this will be so much more significant because it's so much has been taken away from everyone the way they live their normal lives but the It'll be interesting if football comes back in a couple of months or 10 weeks, whatever it is. I mean, I think you're right. It's, it is going to look a bit different, but, you know, it's, it was hard watching round one without crowds, wasn't it? Like, because crowds are such an important, your members are such an important part about, about the match day experience. But the football and the, the pure element of the football will be something I think we're all going to really appreciate when it comes back because it will be such a big hiatus, big delay. And, um, you know, I think we're all looking forward to that. Um, Sean, I just want to ask you one uh, last question, not related to the environment at the moment, but I've always been in the belief that your, 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 uh, develop, your fitness coaches need time with a group to put their stamp of approval on and put their style on, and you can't just come in in one year and, and turn it all around. If you look at Richmond, Collingwood, West Coast, that had the same programs for quite a while, how long do you think you need to get this current essence squad up to the physical capabilities that that can compete with, with the best under your program? Um, yeah, good, good question. Um, it's, it's, I'm just, I've been in the, uh, this time has actually allowed me to um, stop for a little bit and actually reflect on our pre-season. Um, and the one thing that um, I've been able to reflect on and actually looking at the numbers, there's one thing this group has done, they train bloody hard and they, they sort of went almost too hard, if that makes sense. So, they had a, an appetite to go at, you know, just full of the gate, but they couldn't control themselves. And I think the good teams like Richmond, like Collingwood, like the time through what I was at Hawthorne, they, these teams that can actually know when to go and know when to just pull back a little bit and control themselves are the teams that actually um, play their footy the same way, but also can also train the same way that they know how to actually get the best out of their bodies. So... In reflection, it's actually been a really positive from the group because it's actually trying to teach them the other way that there's times where we don't want to go if it's an aerobic session or if it's a um, session where we just want to consolidate a little bit because so, we've got another session coming up. We've got to be able to pull back. And I noticed that probably three or four times throughout pre-season this year, they, they just couldn't hold back. They, they went sort of bullet a gate. So that's my biggest challenge. And I think that has come into effect. From a physical point of view, we... Um, I feel like we're in a pretty good space. We we had a challenging time, um, you know, when I first we first inherited this group. The sort of the injuries that we had, we had a fair few um, uh, surgeries over the off season, which was needed and and required. But I feel like we we got the group back to a you know about eighty five percent of the group training altogether, um, which was pretty solid, and that was sort of the foundation that we needed going forward. And this little block now changes that. A little bit, um, but I would I would put 
down, probably I need a probably two to three year period um, where you actually get that consistency of their training and not just the consistency of games, but also the way that we do our pre-season blocks. Um, we've got a fair bit more into their bodies this year from uh, running loads, uh, but also from a footy perspective, it's probably been ramped up a little bit as well. So um, that'll take a bit of time to then be adapted to that and being able to actually do more of those sessions repeatedly across time. So I'd probably say a three, two to three year period, hopefully we'll start to see the, the, um, the benefits of those sessions. Sean, thanks very much uh, for being part of uh, the first edition of Working Through It. Thanks, and um, we'll, we'll catch up with you again soon. No worries. My pleasure. Sean Murphy sure. joining us there, head of high performance at the Essendon Football Club. Now it's your turn. one three hundred six five two nine two seven. If you want to have a chat to either Xavier Campbell, James Hurd or Joe Watson, it's your chance. So get on the line. one three hundred six five two nine two seven. Somehow emerges. Little topo to his own advantage. Kick in behind the defence. Taken by Garland. Can he outrun Fletcher? No, sirree! Dustin Fletcher and that uh, game-saving tackle. Uh, against uh, Jeffy Garlett from Carlton uh, a few years ago. Now, now Coles Xavier, uh, one of uh, well, they're one of the key sponsors of the Essendon Football Club. They're the official supermarket partner, and also you'll see Coles on the shorts of uh, the Essendon players this year. But they're a new supporter and an important supporter of the club. Yeah, a great partner of the of the football club. They're across so many aspects of our football club. A lot of our community programs, our at Tiwi partnership. Um, up in the Northern Territory, but um, they are providing us with some vouchers to help support some of our members who are finding it tough or who are isolated or who are you know, independent and don't have um, a great deal of support at the moment, finding it difficult to work with the parameters of the, of the, of the government um, um, social distancing piece, and um, we're pretty keen to try and help them where we can, as Hurdy sort of mentioned before. Well, what we're going to do is that uh, if you're a really good caller... And uh, Herdy and Job think that they're a really, really good caller. We are actually giving away some vouchers uh, valued at $150 uh, thanks to Coles. And particularly for Bomber fans that are out there experiencing hardship or just the struggles of uh, of what life is like at the moment, uh, hopefully the footy club will be able to help you out. So one three hundred six five two nine two seven is the number to get in touch. And Angie from Sandringham has done just that. Angie, thanks for holding on. Hello. Go for it. Have a chat to the guys. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to ring in to say um, how great it is that you are doing this. It's really awesome that we can ring in and talk to you as well. So thank you so much. Um, I just also wanted to say thanks to Herdy and Joe for coming back to help out the fans during this really tough time. I know we're all really missing our footy, so to be able to listen to this is really good. Um, Herdy, I loved your podcast with Crawford, so I'm really missing that one too. Um, Thanks, Angie. Well, it's interesting that uh, you talk about Croft because I spoke to him yesterday just to let him know that I was doing this and I wasn't going behind his back. And he, he actually wants to come on. So he's actually asked if he can come on next week and, um, and be right. part of the Essendon podcast, which, um, which, which, which I think we should let him on. So thank you, Angie, for bringing him up. He'll be very happy. Oh, <laughs> um, I just got a couple of questions, if that's all right. Go for um, it. It's to all of you. I'm just wondering, how do you think COVID-19 is going to change our footy club? Um, well, it's, I think it's going to have a, 
It's going to have a big, big impact on how we structure our football club in terms of how we structure administration, our football department. Um, in terms of how we, it's not. I don't think it's going to change how we interact with our fans. Clearly, if anything, we hopefully become more nimble and more efficient, and there's more opportunities to do more with the fans, particularly behind the scenes. And such a big focus on our content and what we're doing there, which we're really. You know, this is a good example of that. We're really keen to push. But you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're a footy club, and we can be a footy club with. 50 people, we can be a footy club with 10 people. I mean, it gets us back, strips back the bones a little bit, gets us back to what we're all about, which is the fans and the players and the football itself. So I don't, it'll be structurally be a lot different, Angie, but it will still be the Bombers, we'll still be everything you, you knew we were before, and um, we'll still be striving to win our, our next premiership. Like that's, that's how it sits. And that's, you know, we were sitting there as a board and executive over the last week and a half, and we, Sort of similar to what we did in 2016 when, when players were suspended, we identified the six key themes that for the short term, for the next six to 12 months, we wanted to focus on a football club to rebuild and hopefully bounce out of this. And a big part of that, that is our, obviously our members, um, how we interact, our commercial revenues, all those sorts of things, our community footprint. A big part about that is not taking our eye off the ball when it comes to winning our 17th Premiership. That's got to be a focus that we don't lose any ground on. And I think we've been making really good ground on it. And Sean Murphy and the work that he's been doing with the group's been a really good example of that. But we can't, we have to use this as an opportunity to try and make up ground as well. Yeah, I think everyone's taking stock at the moment. Can I ask you a question, Angie? How are you handling, How, as an Essence supporter, what do you do for a job and how are you handling uh, this period in, in your life? I'm a teacher, so... Um, it's a big change for us getting our head around how to teach remotely. So that's been my holidays, working out how I can do that. Um, and the footy for all of us is a big thing. We all really look forward to it. I actually went and bought the um, grand final DVDs and we've been watching those. Um, <laughs> Mum actually had her eyes shut for the last quarter of the 84 grand final because she wasn't <laughs> sure we were going to get up. <laughs> So can I ask you another question then, Angie? Can I ask you another question? What is, sorry to keep butting in, but what is the greatest game that you've seen as an Essen supporter? Is it the 84 uh, grand final? Um, Yeah, that was a good one. I liked the one against uh, West Coast when we came back. That was a great one. I hated the prelim 99 final. That wasn't good. Um. And my uh, husband said he'd divorce me if I kept talking about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've, 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 uh, you've jumped on a good theme, Angie, because what we'd like people to call in to do would actually to nominate their, their, the best game they've ever seen. So, you know, I'm not sure your, your age. So, so what we'd like for people to call in is, is give their story. Tell us how you're handling isolation. Tell us what you're doing. Is there someone that we can help with these food packages? And then also, what's your what's your favourite game? Um, because we'd like to get a compilation at the end of this show, and you know, in a few weeks' time, and and maybe get a bit of vote going of what the the best game in the history of Essendon is. Thanks very much for your call, Angie. We appreciate it. We'll get to as many as we can here in this little window we have. I know a lot of people are trying to get through on one three hundred six five two nine two seven. Ken from Elwood has done just that. Ken, you're through to Xavier, James, and also Job. Good afternoon, gents. Nice to talk to you all. And uh, like the others, I'd like to say congratulations on getting this together. It's a, it's a great platform for Essendon supporters to get on board and talk to you guys. So I've got a bit of a footy question. 
um, more about the club and in particular a player. Uh, our big man stocks, Tom Bell Chambers has been doing a pretty good job the last couple of years, but I wanted to get a handle on how Sam Draper's going and another another big man at the Bomberland. And uh, my favourite game, actually, James, is the one where you bagged the umpire when we played West Coast and you played a blind, and that was my favourite game. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the bagging the umpire. I remember the West Coast game, but that, no, it was a silly thing to do and the wrong thing to do. So uh, anyway, I, I got my good result, man. Good result in the West Coast game. Yeah, I, look, I'm not sure about the ruck. I think Xavier will have to answer that. But just Ken, while we've got you, is there anyone in your community or in your local area that you think could do with uh, either Joe or I dropping off um, a food package to in the next few days? Not particularly. I think um, most of the people around where I am are, are going okay. I think there'd be some other people in other, uh, you know, that might be in a position where they might need it more. Uh, I think it's a great gesture by Coles and you guys, but I think from, from where I sit, uh, I, I think most of the people are okay on that front and I think it'd be best to put it somewhere else that might be more worthwhile. Oh, well said, Ken. Well, Xavier, can you tell us about the ruck stocks? Yeah, obviously, um, with Tommy's being fantastic for us, um, Andrew Phillips comes in to give him a backup this year, um, which is important because obviously Sammy's still coming off his knee and we expect Sammy to be back and firing, well, probably about April. It was about April, May, early May it was going to be when he comes back and he's obviously now, with all the landscape shifting now, he's going to be back and ready to go um, when play resumes. So, and, and Sammy's he's, um, he's a real talent. He's a great, great clubman. Um, but he's going to have some real talent and it's been great to watch his development over the last uh, couple of years, in particular the last 12 months. So um, it's something that Adrian and the team are thinking of when, I, when we sit down in the war room and go through the list strategy and um, the key priorities, continuing to focus on that ruck piece is particularly important for Adrian and his group. So very much top of mind. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, thanks for your call, Ken. Uh, Scott from Heathmont's giving us a call as well on 1300 Scott, uh, good afternoon. Hey, good, good to uh, talk to you guys. Um, a real privilege. Uh, love that you guys have put this together. Um, yeah, so uh, look, I wanted to ask Hobby James and, and Joe, just uh, looking at our, this is more current sort of team kind of situation, looking at our current sort of player demographic, we've probably got between the ages of 24 and 31, sort of six kind of all Australians. And then we've got like a good young crew, crop coming together with McGrath, Parrish, Redmond, Francis, sort of all been in the system three, four years. So you kind of sense as a fan at the, the playing age group has actually had a really good um, demographic to to start getting some success. But in all honesty, we've probably had sort of a, a few years of just sort of been around that 10 to 7 mark. And I wanted to kind of just ask how hard is it to get to that kind of 10 to 7 mark to that suddenly that 4 to 1 mark and, and and what's kind of the secret ingredients now that we've kind of got a list that is probably threatening a bit yeah I think it's it's, it's a tough question um, because there has been that that level of not being able to break through um, you know to, to go to that next um, frame of, of win a final and then go and be in the top four, and realistically, you need to be in the top four to be to winning flags. And I think that the, the improvement always comes from those guys in there. Um, you know, when a team can can go to another level, it always comes from guys in their second, third, and fourth pre seasons, and they're able to then 
really get, provide the impetus for the rest of the group. Um, you're not going to get a huge amount of improvement from guys who are, you know, like 26 to 30. They're already in their peak range. It's it's really that lower go- um, demographic of players that are going to take you to the next level. And you just got to make sure that the the really important players who are in that 26 to 30 are all on the park and they're all firing when these young kids, you know, jump and, and go that way. And, and I think what we saw last year towards the end of the season, you, you saw more consistency from guys like... Um, Darcy Parrish and, and Andy McGrath and Mason Redmond and Aaron Francis. Um, and, and I think that those that core was, you know, you know, had the platform from a really hard preseason to go to the next level and to, to drive the club forward. Um, and, and what you want is you just want as many in that cluster as you can get and, and continually bringing in new talent as well. So you know what you're going to get from, you know, Shield and, and get Smith back and get Fantasia back. But can, the, can that group beneath them in that age bracket, they're the ones that really drive a jump in, in performance and improvement. And, and I think there's enough talent in that group to do it. it unfortunately, it's been delayed this year, but um, there's enough guys that are, are competent and good AFL players, I think, to, to drive that next wave. All right. We might just take a couple more calls. We're running short of time. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Thanks very much for your call, Scott. We'll get to Simon because he's called in from Newcastle. Simon, you want to have a chat to the guys? I do, yeah. I, I, when I heard... Uh the call out as, as what was the favourite Essendon game that just went straight to round 16, 2001. Against the Kangaroos there, Simon? Against the Kangaroos, yep, that was it. That was <laughs> yeah. exactly right. From my memory, uh, Jason Johnson was pretty, uh, was immense in that game, particularly after half time. I think Lloydie was sensational. Yeah. Um, who was yep. who was your best player on the ground in that game? Because it came uh, from, you know, look, we were just getting absolutely smashed in that first quarter. Yep. Yep, I got home and I, I got home at the end of the first quarter and, and couldn't believe the score. But you know, look, you know, does come to uh, Hurdy does come to mind, obviously as well as Matthew Lloyd. Um, you know, his straight kicking that day was just immense. So yeah, yeah, no, that was good. And when you were saying there that you were showing your kids the uh, 1993 game the other day, I've got three sons myself, and you know, without blowing too much smoke off your bum. James, I've got all your memorabilia in my study and they're like, where's James Hurd? Where is he, Dad? That's don't worry. Don't worry, I'll show you some more games. You know. <laughs> yeah, there. Enough of that, Joe. Come on. you got a bad game too now and then, haven't you? I just don't know why Channel 7 keeps showing, I keeps showing my bad games. But anyway. My kids are sort of saying the same thing. Fantastic, Simon. Thanks for your call. Quick, we'll quickly go to Ben, who's uh, giving us a call from Essendon West. Ben, uh, good afternoon. Hey, great, gents. How are you? And uh, thanks for having me on board. Um, basically, just wanted to ask Xavier a question. Post-COVID-19, um, what's your strategy to maintain the balance sheet strength of the football club? And how do we ensure that um, we're financially right going forward? Good question, Ben. Yeah. Don't let yeah. him, make him answer it too, nailing. Well, it's interesting, and James actually is someone that he and I have been speaking about some stuff before all of this sort of happened. I mean, as a football club, obviously there's there's been a bit of pressure on some of our traditional revenues. You know, where you're starting to max out a lot of your sponsorship, hospitality areas like that, and you have to think differently about how you grow your football club. Um, and there's obviously been some pressure on some of the non-traditional stuff too. Obviously, gaming has been one that's 
that's been got a lot of public attention. Um, from our perspective, we have a unique position, and, we, and we're very determined to maintain this unique position. We have three old assets at Windy Hill, um, which we're determined to clearly hold. We have a great parcel of land next door here at um, Tullamarine, Melbourne Airport, that we've got a first and last option on, and we're really keen to make the most of those those two opportunities. Um, we're in the process of negotiating with council around the Windy Hill master plan and what that might look like, and I feel like that's going to set up some really unique opportunities for us as a as a football club that other other clubs might not have. Um, and I'm also we're also keen to to look at some other non-traditional areas um, through the support of what is a really amazing corporate and high net worth network to allow us to build revenue streams that you know can compete with similar to what we get from our gaming venues. So there's been a lot of the assets we ha- we're not going to you know we're determined to to push through this issue and not not um, have to sell any assets and I, and I think we'll be able to get through that through the support of our membership and amazing support of our membership and and clearly um, our high net worth. So. The big focus is going to be what what commercialisation of those other assets probably 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 looks like, Ben, um, as well as finding really smart ways to continue to grow and connect with our membership. Great question, Ben. Uh, we'll take more calls next week, and uh, we appreciate your interaction. We've got some uh, text messages and some emails we might read through as well if we get time before the end of the program. But guys, uh, we did want to have a chat to. Uh, Dr. Bruce Reid, who is uh, so well known at the Essendon Football Club, and I know James and Job are very close to to Dr. Bruce Reid. So, uh, guys, take it away. He's there to talk to. Reid, you, you seem to turn up everywhere, Reedy. I thought we'd avoid you today. <laughs> we tried to go a bit longer than normal. How did, how did you get on the show? I'm not sure, but I heard the start when Job Job got stuck into Xavier about his ego, and uh, I was just wondering, you know, talking of egos, Xavier. If the boys had not demanded so much money in, when they in the playing days, would we be in a far better position, or it wouldn't have made much difference? A bit rich coming from that bloke, isn't it, Brady? Bit, bit rich. The irony yeah, was we all felt that, and it's blood, it's it's very good to have you on board, Reedy, because you couldn't have come at a better time to be honest. Because these two deserve some stories from you. Well, I think the good thing about this soft cap being um, halved, Reedy, is that I'm not, no longer be able to pay you. So thank goodness that soft cap's been paid. They've been trying to sack me for years, and now they've got me on, I don't know whether it's called over 70, um, on immunotherapy, chemotherapy. They've got me on extended sick pay with no pay, no money forever. That's my The reason hasn't moment. changed for 50 years. It's still incompetence, Reedy. <laughs> among you three, among you three, and I don't want to mention names, there's two of you that panic. Two of you that panic, and without breaking confidence, it's not you, Xavier. <laughs> when you have kids, when you, this is look, we're only among family, yes, and the family, but I don't want to break ethics, but with. James and Job, when their kids were under two and Job still are, they only need to get the fighter's fever, be drowsy. Has my kids got meningitis? This is true. Two of the most greatest players ever with their own children. On a serious note, how, how are you going? You've uh, had your, your own uh, health battles and we've all been... Um, uh, yeah, well... You know, Push, making, pushing for you, but, but how are you? Look, look, I'm okay. I'm, I'm bloody lucky that I've got it at my age and not at, say, say your age, Joe, uh, Tim, where you've got you know, still four kids that you've got to either educate or help educate. 
uh, you know, I'd be stuffed. So uh, I'm, I'm okay. I was how I got mesothelioma stuffed, if I know, in the first place. You know, probably when we were building our house, you know, and I just did this and that. But um, I was very lucky because it was really a bad one. It was malignant, but it did respond to immunotherapy. So instead of you know, most people die in eight months or so. Basically, I was sort of going beautifully, and about seven weeks ago, it's just recurring slightly. So right now, I'm just having um, 12 weeks of continuing the immunotherapy, which has unbelievably helped me, and chemo, and it's holding it, and it's only nothing like it was. So I'm just happy. Um, look, I'm just happy to be alive. I'm missing medicine badly, you know, because being at home, I've got to be like everyone else at the moment. But adding this mm. to it, um, I miss the banter of the club, which you've always, now you've retired, must miss desperately. But you miss that, you know, have, like, like at the start of this, taking the mickey out of each other. And um, I really, really miss that. And uh, and I miss being a doctor, you know, because at the moment, doctors are really doing a great job. And I'm sitting at home on my ass. So I don't like that because I'd like, rather be out there doing the bit. And, and Rudy, medical just, just a, a question on... On how how is this COVID nineteen affecting someone like yourself who has to go to a hospital for 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 yeah, um, so immunology treatment? How is that? Is you much more careful, or the hospitals more careful? Because they've still got to do their their you know procedures with people like yourself while dealing with yeah. this. It must be a bit of a nightmare for you. Uh, yeah, you get a bit. But look, it's it's pretty. Hospitals are pretty smart. But this is a pretty smart virus too. So there, are, you know, there's obviously a little incubation period where you know that nurse might talk to that nurse in the cafe, you know, and not realise that they've got it. So there's there's always a danger. Um, but uh, look, I go in there and you know for half a day and every three weeks, and they fill you up with this sort of immunotherapy, which is great with very few side effects. And then at the moment, the chemo, which is a bit of a shit. So you're in there for about five or six hours, but um, no, I'm doing well, you know, and I've got a good family. And uh, and the, the ex-players and players, they are so good to you and the club's so good to you. Uh, you know, I've been so lucky to be involved with Essendon Footy Club and I, I would assume most clubs are the same. But our club, I can talk about, to me personally, when I got crook last year, um, and I didn't work that much. I came in a bit here and there because I was crook and not crook, and then I did really well. Uh, but they said to me... Look, if you don't work one day, we're paying... And this is back in November, so the year's been going one month. They said, look, if you can work normally, we pay you your normal wage. And if you can't work at all, we pay you your normal wage. And I said, well, that's not right. I'm only meant to get three months. And they just said, no, we're paying you for the year. So when things were good, um, you know, financially, I, I just got paid for the year. Um, and they didn't need to do that. So I'm very, very mm. grateful for that. Because so, so you're the reason the club's got no money? Well, yeah. Except, I actually need to talk to you about that, Reedy. Is um, <laughs> pay it forward is probably coming pretty oh, handy now. I think. Hey, listen, listen. <laughs> I've got a picture of Hurdy retiring. It was two thousand and seven. He earned ten. Can we cut him up now? Two thousand and eighteen. Twelve years ago. Can we wish him goodbye? <laughs> no, it's all right. uh, so, how are you boys going? You going all right? All going well, Reedy. Yeah, all going well. Just um, getting through self-isolation and uh, making sure that um, healthy and happy and uh, doing our best and, and hopefully everyone's doing the same back at home. Yeah, that's good. And what about the old man? How's Tim going? Um, 
Yeah, no, he's in self-isolation as well. Mum's down at um, the farm, so dad, dad's pretty lonely actually. But we, um, we've got, I've got a niece who's who's got who's had some lung um, issues, so we we went. She moved down there with with mum probably five weeks ago, um, yeah. and has been down there since. So dad's been um, by himself, which which I think he's struggling with without um, without mum's um, kind words to, to fill him in and uh, look after him. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, uh, thanks very much for, for joining us, and I'm sure we'll probably touch base with you again in a few weeks as we continue this uh, this new radio program. Thanks, Roy. Thank you. Go on, you're ready. Dr. Thanks, Bruce Reid, the Essendon Club Doctor Royalty, also when it comes to the Essendon Footy Club. We're going to reflect back on a mighty moment next. You're listening to Working Through It with James Heard, Joe Watson, and Xavier Campbell. James Heard got that ball out at the centre bounce. He's moving down towards this contest. If anybody's going to get it, it'll be James. McDougal heads for the boundary line. Maybe Murphy should have kicked. Bullen. Heard. Heard. The fairy tale's complete. And then he went and hugged a fan. This is our nomination for the mighty moment, thanks to Coles Insurance. And uh, Herdy, before we sort of take this a little bit further, what 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 was going through your mind that you would go and do such a thing? Oh, just briefly, it was yeah, up until a few years ago. It was the worst week I've had in footy for a long time. I we'd played St Kilda the week before, and I'd gone on the football show and um, expressed my disappointment at uh, Scott McLaren and, and, and basically said that you know, it was a disgrace as an umpire, which obviously was the wrong thing to do. Uh, and that was, I think, on the Wednesday night because it, it was Easter games. And by the, the, the Thursday morning, it was a, a media circus out the front of my house. And I remember calling Andrew Demetri on Easter on Good Friday to apologise, rang him four or five times and finally got on to him. And, and when I spoke to him that afternoon, realised how serious uh, my mistake was he was very very short and expressed that there was a good chance that um, I'd be deregistered for for the next four or five weeks. Um, so that was the Friday, and then going into I think it was a Saturday night game against West Coast. And as captain, we hadn't won a game so far that year, um, and. I was very conscious that as a player, as a captain, taking the focus off what the team's trying to do onto yourself is really, you know, the, the wrong thing to do. So I think we, we kicked the first six goals of that game. Then West Coast kicked the next six. It was going backward and forward. And, and, and really, when I when I got the opportunity to, to have a shot for goal, I think Mark Bullen flicked the ball out to me in the forward pocket. And it was a shot that I practised every training session at the end of training with a, a man called Colin Hooper. He used to kick the ball with me um, every night after training. So I probably had that shot, you know, training, you know, over a thousand, two thousand times in in my training history. So I, I knew how to kick that ball. But when the ball went through, it was just a, a flood of emotion, um, and basically everything came out. And and I think Drew was the the supporter who was there, but basically just ran towards the ran towards the. Uh, the fence and grabbed the, the closest person I could. Um, luckily, it wasn't a you know ninety year old woman. I didn't you know break her in half, but um, it was it was a fine fit young man, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good moment. Fortunately, we went away and, and won the game, and 
um, you know, I was able to apologise and, and only got fined $20,000 instead of uh, being deregistered for uh, for four weeks. Well, I'm not sure how old he is now, but he's a bit older than he was when you hugged him. But Drew Wilson actually does join us now on Working hey, Through buddy. It. Uh, Drew Wilson, uh, hello. G'day there, boys. How we doing? How do you remember? Oh, we're going well. How do you remember that day? Yeah, uh, so pretty much, as, as James explained, we'll back and forth and uh, delete. And then uh, I said, I'm not one to get too emotional at the footy, like to reserve. But um, when he snagged that goal, it got better of me as well. And I've just jumped with uh, all the emotion. And uh, yeah, there he was running at me. Drew, how are you? Good to see you. Good to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, good to, good to speak to you, James. Sorry, Joe, you jumped, I jumped across here. What were you no, saying? No, no, no. <laughs> you go, Moody. <laughs> um, Drew, it's interesting because Kevin Sheedy loves this story, right? He, he, every sportsman's night, every talk I give, he, he tells this story. And he, he's made something up. He reckons there was a girl standing next to you. And then I've hugged you and then I've turned away and left the girl stranded and didn't hug her at the same time. Is this was this girl with you or is he making no. is he making up this story, Sheets? No, he Sheets is on the money there. He, uh, yeah, she she was there watching the game with me, so you did leave her high and dry. <laughs> yeah, he reckons I'm you know left her high and dry. She's standing there with a disappointed face, but um, but he was, yeah, he was a, a huge a Collingwood supporter, so she just uh, didn't oh, deserve a hug right, anyway. Then. Yes, exactly right. And so, what are you doing now, Drew? What, what's uh, where are you in your life, and how are you handling this um, self isolation, the whole um, COVID nineteen? Yeah, so uh, yeah, still working. I'm an electrician these days, um, so it hasn't affected me too much. Um, more, I guess. Yeah, I'm still involved at like local footy. So, unfortunately, um, yeah, that's been called off for now. So, I'm uh, we're itching to get the boys back together to keep training. So, it's sort of affecting us at local level and. Um, yeah, just sort of not sure what to do these nights. Like last night, I meant to be at footy training, but yeah, not not can't do that anymore. Which football club? Uh, down at Greensboro Football Club. So I'm just doing some assistant coaching down there now. Um, yeah, didn't get a bit too uh, too old to keep playing. So yeah, putting uh, putting my hand up to do some coaching. Fantastic, Drew. Thanks uh, for joining us and reliving your perspective of what is a famous Essendon moment. Thanks for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you much, Lloyd. Thanks, Drew. All right, Thanks, so, Drew. Thanks. so that's our Coles Insurance Mighty Moment that we've come up with. If you've got your own that you want to sort of bring to the table, the best thing to do is to get in, uh, straight in touch with the, the club. You can do that via email, Facebook, or even through Twitter, and uh, we will take one of your suggestions and, uh, and reminisce uh, next week with a different moment. Before we go, we've gone over time, but we're obviously having so much fun. Um, a final observation or a final moment, a final thought. We might start with you, Joe, a final thought for the first episode. Yeah, well, I think that um, Hurdy touched on it at the beginning. It was, you know, the, the idea and the, the point of this is for, for us to, to do something, to say thank you to the Essendon community uh, for everything that they've done. You know, my family's been involved with the club for such a long period of time and uh, I, we really just wanted to, to provide an opportunity to, to connect with supporters and fans um, to say thank you, to hear some stories and to provide some, hopefully, some entertainment to them um, to get everyone through this hard time. And, um, you know, I'm certainly going to really enjoy connecting with, with people and, and discussing footy and footy topics and with these two guys. And, and we just wanted to, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity and, and we hope that people, it, it can brighten their days and give them something, um, you know, happy to, to think about. Hurting? 
Yeah, well said, Job. I think that's the the, the overriding uh, factor for for both of us is to is to say thank you to the Essendon community who have supported us for you know through thick and thin for so long. But the, the thing that you know I first contacted Xavier about was was how do we get the Essendon family to help each other? And it hasn't probably worked today in terms of you know these Coles gift vouchers just yet, but we'll work out a way to do it. But one thing that I think that we're trying to do is if there are people out there in the community, not just Essence supporters, but Essence supporters who know someone who needs a hand with, with, with either a food drop or, or something, um, and we're able to do it within the confines of the rules, the, the self-isolation rules, um, let us know. Email us, let us know, ring in, because, you know, there are... There are, I don't know how many ex-players there are, Joe, that you and I have both played with who are sitting around not doing a lot, but um, they, they'd love to help. They'd love to actually reciprocate or sort of, you know, turn, turn the favour on its head. You guys came to watch us for so long. Um, how can we help you? How can we drop some food off to you? And I know there's uh, a lot of my teammates, a lot of Joe's teammates who are sitting there listening to the show, waiting for an opportunity to help the supporters that have helped them for so long. So that's one of the things that we're, we'll try and evolve and develop um, as this show goes on. Yeah, and I'm sure the club will, will work out the best way to, to get in touch and we'll try and uh, connect as many people as possible as this uh, show continues. Uh, Xavier, you've got the, the last word and I know there's something pretty significant you want to mention. Yeah, thanks, Whitey. Thanks, uh, Jim and Joe. It's been, uh, it's been a good platform for us to get together, obviously, and it's, it's only going to build over the next few weeks. But, you know, in the last uh, couple of weeks, obviously, we, uh, we had the passing of uh, an absolute legend, one of the nicest people I've met in my entire life. And, and um, he just was a person that just personified everything you want from an Essendon, Essendon player, person, administrator, footballer, and Jack Jones. Jack's a three-time Premiership player. Obviously, he uh, he wore the number 24 from when he served uh, Papua New Guinea, the 24th Battalion. Um, I think Tim Watson described him really well where he sort of was responsible for... He was the bridge that connected the old Essendon and the new Essendon, and I saw that so often. And a lot of people probably publicly, our fans probably saw him around Anzac Day. He would always he'd tell his stories about what it meant to him and provide a lot of context to us on such an important day and why we were so privileged to play on that day. Um, but he did so much more behind the scenes in the footy club. He was just a true gentleman. He um, he was incredibly popular. I'm not sure you'd be hard-pressed to find a more popular person inside the four walls of our football club than than Jack. And, um, you know, we're wishing Tony and John and the rest of the, the, the kids, and obviously Sarah is his granddaughter, who, who we know well, um, giving them our best, thought, our best wishes and telling them we're thinking of them. And uh, I think we've got an audio uh, tribute from Sarah that was played on Fox uh, last week as well, which we're going we're gonna to wear now. Yep, let's uh, hear this uh, terrific package that Sarah uh, put together on, on Fox 40. And thanks to Fox 40, here it is now. My beloved grandfather, Jack Jones, has left us after 95 years and four months. Pop counted the months. He was just like that. And he certainly made his time on Earth count. He was one of my greatest supporters and my daughters adored him. His favourite game involved stealing their pancakes when they weren't looking. He had the most incredible sweet tooth. They called him Old Pop. I got your nose. <laughs> no, put him back again. As they grow up, I'll tell them about the wonderful life he led. Pop was a great storyteller. I loved hearing about the time he climbed on his roof in Ascot Vale to watch Farlap win the 1930 Melbourne Cup and how he met my nan at a dance 
a stone's throw from Windy Hill and then asked to write to her while they went off to war. He missed games due to malaria when he got back. It's unbelievable, really. Stories about working as a butcher during the week and then wearing the red and black on the weekend. He once fell on top of his younger brother chasing a footy over the boundary at the MCG, back when fans were allowed to sit inside the fence. He was right next to John Coleman when the great full forward did his knee. Coleman telling Pop, I've got it, Jonah, as he flew in the marking contest. Pop was sentimental. He asked to wear the number 24 in honour of his battalion when he arrived at Windy Hill. And he loved that I, his first grandchild, was born on the 24th and got married on the 24th. He was the last to leave the dance floor at my wedding. On one of his final trips, he went to see his great-grandchild Willow's first day of school in Ascot Vale, across the road from the house he was born in, 90 years to the day after he started at the very same school. Pop was a gentleman. He was never late and never underdressed. Dermot Burton used to tell me he reminded him of Cary Grant, dashing and distinguished. Pop loved the footy industry. He loved being fussed over by the staff at the Bombers and he loved ordering me to tell someone he said to say hello. No doubt he'll be glued to Fox footy in heaven. Pop was born in the Bombers heartland and he leaves us in Bombers hearts. So that was Fox Footy, Sarah Jones, and a tribute to her grandfather, Jack Jones, a bomber legend. Joe Watson, James Hurd, Xavier Campbell, uh, that's it. We were meant to go maybe 45, 50 minutes, maybe an hour. It's it's nearly about three hours, I think. But I think uh, a lot of Essendon fans would have had a lot of fun listening into you guys. Uh, do your thing. Well, can I just say uh, Thanks, thank Warden. you to everyone involved and thank you. And also a quick shout-out to Susie up in Blackwood, Joby. I know she'll be up there listening and uh, I think we're all shouting out. She's no longer at the Essendon Footy Club, but uh, we're all thinking of her. Yeah. And, and also to the Hibbard family as well, Hurdy. Uh, Michael was a, a good teammate and, and he's going through a very difficult time as well, so thinking of him. All right, Absolutely. terrific, guys. Nice way to, to finish the program well as we, we do uh, all look after each other through this challenging time, as I said at the top. Uh, hopefully we'll do it all again next week, guys. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Well done. Joe Watson, James Hurd, and also Xavier Campbell. For those that came into this a little late, I also know there's been a few technical issues for those who have just been overwhelmed, I think, with the volume of people wanting to listen to this first episode. We're going to put on replay. So on the Essendon website, jump on and, and have a listen. If you didn't catch all of it, um, we'll have that up very, very shortly. We'll catch you again next week.